0: Welcome back. This is the Wise Man's Page. It's a daily podcast, and on this daily podcast we read a page of this book called The Wise Man's Fear. And then we talk about the page we just read. This is page 311. You were telling stories then when you wouldn't let me see my blood. I off shrugging, "Are you really still getting after echoes of the plum bob?" she asked. "Little flashes," I said, "and I seem to be losing my temper more easily." But that might just be the stress simmons says i probably have unbound principles in my system whatever that means devy scowled i'm working with less than ideal equipment here she said gesturing to a closed door and i am sorry but the fellow offered me a full set of the valtium technoste she waved to the bookshelves normally i'd never make something like that but unexpurgated copies are just impossible to find i turned to look at her surprised you made it for him it's better than handing over the formula "'Devi said defensively. "'Part of me felt like I should be angry, "'but the majority of me was simply happy "'that I was warm and dry, "'with no threat of death hanging over me. "'I shrugged it off. Simmons says you can't factor worth a damn,' "'I said conversationally. "'Devi looked down at her hands. "'I'm not proud of selling it,' she admitted. "'Then after a moment she looked up again, grinning. "'But the Technoste has gorgeous illustrations!' "'I laughed. "'Show me.' "'Hours later, my clothes were dry "'and the sleet had changed to a gentle snow,' stonebridge would be a solid sheet of ice but other than that the walk home would be much more pleasant when i emerged from the washroom i saw debbie was sitting back at her desk i made my way over and handed her the robe i won't impugn your honor by asking why you own a robe much longer and broader in the shoulder than anything a delicate young lady of your size could ever wear debbie snorted indelicately and rolled her eyes i sat down and tugged on my boots they were delightfully warm from sitting near the fire then I brought out my purse and lay three heavy silver talents on the desk, pushing them toward her. Devi looked at them curiously. "'I've recently come into a little money,' I said. "'Not enough to settle my whole debt, but I can pay this term's interest early.' I waved a hand at the coins. A gesture of good faith. Devi smiled and pushed the coins back across the table. "'You have still got two span before the end of the term,' she said. "'Like I said, let's stick to our original deal. I feel bad about taking your money early.' And that's the page. My name's Nick. I'm Jordana. And Jeremy is muted. No, I'm not. I'm Jeremy.
1: I was just thinking about the weather and how he's talking about how now the sleet is a gentle snow and how the walk home will still be icy but not as bad. And it feels like a... uh, What do you call that when the weather is the same? Pathetic fallacy. That one. Yes. Feels like that. I
0: totally agree. I think it's definitely echoing his, uh, his emotions.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Which is nice. We suggested on the previous page, and we were right, that Debbie sold the formula, or she sold her work. She Even when selling the poison, she wouldn't part with the formula, suggesting that she did the best she could to remain as ethical as possible. Mm-hmm. What do we think Vautium Tegnoste is?
1: Depends on what language we think it's in first. Yeah. Well, it looks
2: more like Latin than a lot of the other fake languages in the book.
0: Which leads me to think that it And the Latin is is the Aturin, right? Yeah,
2: so it's like old Aturin, like old like Temek or something. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, I don't know, but uh if it's unexpurgated, right? Like it's if it's the kind of book that would be unexpurgated, I think it's and given Devi's interests, I think we can assume that it's some kind of text on sympathy
0: or related subjects. Could be. And I'm more and more convinced that somebody, probably Ambrose, but someone in Ambrose's orbit is stealing books from the archives and selling them.
2: What makes you think that?
0: Well, we know that this formula ended up in Ambrose's hands. We know that Ambrose is a scriv. Uh, We know that this person who offered her this deal was able to get access to books that are extremely rare. And I think, I can't exactly remember, but weren't we talking about how a book had gone missing? Oh, we were talking about how if you wanted to steal a book from the archives, uh, you could easily do it. You could easily disappear a book by, uh, you know, implying that it had been lost in one of the ledger shuffles from uh, from the historical archivists.
2: Like you could steal a book that the current scripts don't already know where to find it, right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no other evidence. Like that evidence is all germane to this one instance, but there's no other broader pattern of books going missing, right?
0: I don't think so. Not as an explicit plot point, but I want to keep an eye on it because I wouldn't put it past. Certainly wouldn't put it past Ambrose. um, But I also just think that. You know, that's kind of what Debbie is after also, right? She's after something in the archives. She wants to get into the archives more than well, anything. And I
2: bet that she, if Ambrose went to the trouble to figure out that Debbie could make this thing for him, that he probably also figured out that, oh, she's not actually that interested in money, but she is interested in books from the archives. So that's what I'll offer her. And if that means I have to steal a book from the archives, exactly. so be it.
0: Ambrose is a scriv, and he's certainly amoral and he feels untouchable enough to do something like that
2: hmm definitely
1: hmm i mean you said that he got the formula, but he doesn't actually get the formula he just gets the
0: no no he gets the he gets the he doesn't get the formula he gets the he he gets the thing. The, the end product i think the yeah exactly and Devi, uh both takes the opportunity to kind of like, I don't know, but flirtatiously, but certainly he teases her. You know, Sim says you can't factor worth a damn. Mm-hmm. He's getting back to their their gentle joshing. That yeah, they've doing. got
2: they've got good banter uh, on this page when he like when he teases her about the the robe that he's wearing that is obviously well, not I a have, lady's robe.
1: I have a thing about the robe though, because why wouldn't like, sure, it doesn't fit her, but, like, I own a million clothes that don't fit me because they're comfy. Like, why Why is it weird that just, she owns a robe that's big for her?
0: It's not just... Uh, the gag here is that this is, like, the robe she offers her male companions after sex.
1: Like, I, I get that that's the gag, but it's just kind of like a... It's like a meh gag. Also, for him to say, like, oh, I'm not going to impugn your whatever, whatever. It's like... It, it, it does the exact same thing for him to ask the question as it does for him to say Yes, that.
2: that's the point.
0: Yeah, but he's also part of yeah, the that's playful why it's banter. Funny. Okay. Mm. I'm not going to
2: insult Fine. you by saying this thing that's insulting is a funny joke.
1: Fine. <laughs> I'm just totally the kind of person who would be insulted by it anyway, but I understand that Debbie's not.
0: <laughs> also on this page, there's... I wouldn't call this a hint necessarily, but there's a sort of suggestion as to how alchemy works or a part of how alchemy works where you have your principles and you have to bind the principles. And if you don't bind them properly, it messes it up and the unbound principles can stick around mm-hmm. for a while, which I think is kind of a neat bit of uh, tossed off magic building.
1: Yeah, I totally also cannot wrap my head around that entirely. But neither can Quoth, so I'm not totally bothered. Yeah, like we're it. not
2: meant to. It's just supposed to be like some fun techno babble gobbledygook, right? It's the same way that.
0: Yeah, and it. Like what principles are doesn't align with the adjective unbound, right? Like in real life, you never. I don't know why you would ever bind a principle with anything. So it's like clearly some sort of uh, technical jargon. Like Froth has heard Simmons say. Yeah, it's
2: like whenever Chief O'Brien tells Cisco that he has to reroute the uh, you know the auxiliary power couplings through the through the subspace relay, and that's gonna create a signal boost that'll allow them to do XYZ. Like you just sort of like let it wash over you.
1: <laughs> okay. I guess that's all my notes for this page. Do we have a letter? Still, I
0: still don't want to open the the inbox. I'm just sitting here chilling. I don't have to touch my computer. So let's let's recommend stuff. Ooh, Alrighty.
1: Recommendation. Do you have something you want to start
2: with?
0: I have. I do. I'd like to recommend a little show called Have I already recommended Schitt's Creek on this? On the I don't podcast? think so. I'd like to recommend a little show called Schitt's Creek. That's S C H I T T apostrophe S, Creek. It's a lovely little sitcom from uh eugene levy and his son dan levy who if you don't know uh, you actually do know eugene levy you just don't know his name he is a, a legendary canadian comedian um and it is a really sweet sitcom that is one of those shows that is way better than it has any business being uh it is uh the the elevator pitch is that it's about a wealthy family who loses all their money and the only thing they have left to their name is the town of Schitt's Creek that they bought as a joke many years ago and forgot about. So they have to relocate there and that doesn't really do justice to the show because it is about love and redemption in a way that very few shows are. When I first heard about it, I thought it sounded an awful lot like Arrested Development and I thought it was just sort of like a Canadian ripoff and it is nothing could be further from the truth. I put this show as at way better than Arrested Development. Um, it's very, very funny. It's very, very sweet. And in a departure from the way a lot of sitcoms run these days, it is unerringly about how much this family loves each other. They are uh, bad people, or at least they start that way. But they always love each other. There's never any gags about any... Yeah, I'm, I'm my, my partner's leaning over and yelling for telling the whole story. I'm not telling the whole story. I'm just trying to like <laughs> impress upon you that it's never about how they like resent each other or they want to leave each other behind or they backstab each other. They are always supportive even when they are sniping at each other. And uh, it's, it's about redemption in a way that very few shows are because, you know, now I will like, I'm not going to give anything away, but it's about how they, they sort of build a new life in this awful town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, They're never explicitly in Canada, but it's basically implied to be like a small town in Ontario. Uh, and it's really lovely, and uh, I slept on it for a long time. It's it's over now. It just finished its final season, but it won an unprecedented number of Emmys. I think it literally swept the Emmys, which is something that uh, never happens. Um, but don't sleep on it. It's on Netflix. It's wonderful. It's called Schitt's Creek, and uh, it stars uh, a number of legendary Canadian comedians.
1: All right. I got one. Go for it. Excellent. My recommendation is a children's book that I have been thinking about a lot because every time it starts to snow, I think about it. Uh, it's a book I had as a kid and it's called The Cremation of Sam McGee. Oh, yeah! It is a very it, it's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. book. It is painted and illustrated by Ted Harrison and their pictures are so colorful and they're so bright and I get really cold this time of year and I think of a particular painting in the book where like, the spirit of Sam McGee is sitting in the fire, and he's just, like, a person sitting in fire, and I think about, like, yeah, like, that's how I feel when I have a hot shower in the winter, and it's great, (laughs) um, but yes, it's a wonderful book, um, the poems in it are really great as well, uh, I, I can, like, quote pieces of the book even without owning a copy of it today, I have no idea
0: Oh, I, I, I can probably recite the whole okay, thing. Don't, there are strange look, things done in the it, midnight sun it. by the men who moil for oh, you're gold. You're ruining it with
1: your weird, scary voice. Arctic
0: trails have their secret tales. This that is could my make recommendation. Uh, uh, the northern lights American. have seen queer sights, but the queerest oh, they I ever did see from... was that night on the la marge of Lake Lebarge. La I cremated Sam McGee.
1: Because I read it with a different voice, I don't like the way you read it, but that's okay. It's a
0: creepy story. It's like a ghost story.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's a, it's a really creepy story, but because of the way it's it, – like, it's illustrated so colorfully, and it's such, such a juxtaposition. Yeah, it has a
0: very whimsical illustration style. It's great.
1: Yeah, it has a very whimsical feel, and, and the poetry is, is really – like, the poetry is not such that it feels creepy. Like, the the tune of it is not a particularly, like, disjointed – or cadence, I guess, is the right word. It's not particularly disjointed or anything.
0: No, I mean, it's, it's also kind of a, like a goofy meter at times. Like there's a couple puns in the- yeah. in it,
1: Oh yeah. yes, it's very it's very funny, actually, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah. But I guess that also is a juxtaposition to the creepiness.
0: Exactly, it's very charming. I would like to rec- double up on that recommendation. It's a lovely poem. It's a lovely little yeah. book.
1: The poems also just because I mentioned Ted Harrison because I like art, but also the poems are by uh, Robert W. Service. So if anybody knows that guy.
2: It's a pretty famous poem, that one.
1: Yeah. It's a it's a like I would be surprised if people hadn't heard of it, but in case you haven't, highly recommend it. Right on. Yeah.
0: Now Sam McGee was from Tennessee. Style!
1: Jeremy's turn to recommend something. Uh,
2: I will be recommending a book for grown-ups, a book that I devoured in two or three sittings uh, last week, called The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. Uh, who you might know as the author of the American Hippo novels and uh, Magic for Liars and Upright Women Wanted. This is their newest novel, and it is about a woman uh, who is a brilliant, a pioneering geneticist in the field of cloning. And she finds out that her uh, shithead husband uh, has been having an affair with a clone of her a clone that he made to remove all the things about his wife that he did not like. Uh, and it is a, it, it only gets more messed up from there. I don't want to spoil it, but it's got everything you want in a book. It's got, it's got murders. It's got, uh, you know, sad feelings about a breakup. It's got mad science. Uh, it's got feelings. It, 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 it questions things about like you know our identity and who we are as people. It asks us to sympathize with a protagonist who is very unsympathetic. Uh, readers of, um, of Name of the Wind will probably like it because it's also about a character who is brilliant and knows that they're brilliant, and is not always. Uh, is like kind of self-consciously a pretty like nasty piece of work, but we still feel for her and, and empathize with what she's going through. Uh, yeah. I just found it totally riveting. The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey.
0: Hey, all right. Three great tastes that tastes great together. Read the Echo Wife while Sam McGee is on uh, in audio and Schitt's Creek is on your TV for a, a perfect experience.
2: Alrighty. A, a uh,
0: multimedia experience.
2: Oh boy. And we'll multi your media experience on tomorrow's page
1: of
0: why he left his home in the south to roam around the pole. God only
1: knows. <laughs> the Yukon. Page the one. Wind! Okay, let's go. <laughs>